All right, as you're getting settled back, would you look with me please to Job chapter 38. Job chapter 38. You know, we've come to the place in the book of Job where God now is speaking to Job. There have been several who have spoken about him or to him. And, of course, Satan has spoken about him. God has spoken about him in the earlier chapters. He had four friends that have spoken to him. His wife has spoken to him. Now God is speaking to him. And, and he has much to say. Um, God's speech will last from chapter 38 of the book of Job to the end of chapter 41. And there are three breaks in this, three divisions or three subjects or three topics that God speaks to Job about. He'll ask Job a series of questions. As a matter of fact, he'll pepper him with questions. You remember, Job wanted an audience. A time or two in some of his rebuttal to his three friends, first three friends, Job wanted an audience with God. And so God is going to say to him in chapter 38, and then again over in chapter number 40, all right, Job, get ready. You wanted an audience with me. You wanted to come into my courtroom. Uh, You're not going to be the prosecuting attorney here, though. You're not even going to play plaintiff. You're going to be defendant. You think think you've been mistreated. You think I don't know what justice is nor how to deal with man. And so let's see what you do know, Job, in your own person. Seventy-seven questions. Three divisions of these three chapters, and um, or four chapters. And and I tell you, with, with me, these chapters, as I read through them again and over, they bring me great comfort. Let's read Job 38, verses 1 through 38. This is your first division of God's speech. Job 38, verses 1 through 38. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up now thy loins like a man. In other words, ready yourself, Job. For I will demand of thee and answer thou me. Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. Who hath laid the measures thereof? If thou knowest, or who hath stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened, or who laid the cornerstone thereof? When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Or who shut up the sea with doors when it break forth, as if it had issued out of the womb? When I made the cloud the garment thereof, and thick darkness a swaddling band for it. And break up for it my decreed place, and set bars and doors. And said, Hitherto shalt thou come, but no further. And here shall thy proud waves be stayed. Hast thou commanded the morning since thy days, and caused the day spring to know his place, that it might take hold of the ends of the earth, that the wicked might be shaken out of it? It is turned as clay to the seal, and they stand as a garment. And uh, from the wicked their light is withholden, and the high arms shall be broken. Hast thou entered into the springs of the sea? Or hast thou walked in the search of the depth? Have the gates of death been opened unto thee? Or hast thou seen the doors of the shadow of death? 
Hast thou perceived the breadth of the earth? Declare if thou knowest it all. Where is the way where light dwelleth? And as for darkness, where is the place thereof? That thou shouldest take it to the bound thereof, and that thou shouldest know the paths to the house thereof. Knowest thou it because thou wast then born, or because the number of thy days is great? Hast thou entered into the treasures of the snow? Or hast thou seen the treasures of the hail, which I have reserved against the time of trouble, against the day of battle and war? By what way is the light parted which scattereth the east wind unto the earth, upon the earth, excuse me? Who hath divided a watercourse for the overflowing of waters, or a way for the lightning of thunder, to cause it to rain on the earth where no man is, on the wilderness wherein there is no man? To satisfy the desolate and waste ground, and to cause the bud of the tender herb to spring forth. Hath the rain a father, or who hath begotten the drops of the dew? Out of whose womb came the ice and the hoary frost of heaven? Who hath gendered it? The waters are hid as with a stone, and the face of the deep is frozen. Canst thou bind the sweet influences of Pleiades, or loose the bands of Orion? Canst thou bring forth Maseroth in his season? Or canst thou guide Arcturus with his sons? Knowest thou the ordinances of heaven? Canst thou set the dominion thereof in the earth? Canst thou lift up thy voice to the clouds that abundance of waters may cover thee? Canst thou send lightnings that they may go and say unto thee, Here we are? Who hath put wisdom in the inward parts? Who hath given understanding to the heart? Who can number the clouds in wisdom? Or who can stay the bottles of heaven? When the dust groweth unto hardness and the clods cleave fast together. There's your first section of where God begins speaking to Job. So this is the first division of God's speech uh, unto Job. You remember this speech begins right on the hills of Elihu reminding Job that God has revealed himself. God's revealed himself to you, Job. God speaks to his people. God cares for his people. God is not in some distant, faraway land, separated and uninterested in his people. Elihu helped put the focus back on God instead of Job and his troubles. Uh, you, get, you get saturated with your troubles. And you can say some of the same things Job has stated in the book of Job. We've said it over and again. Job didn't get everything right. Some people preach as though Job got everything right in his rebuttal to his three friends that he rebutted. It is impossible to know God apart from his revelation. The Bible teaches us that God has revealed himself in nature. Now, nature cannot save a man. A man can say, well, I just believe in the God that created all of it. Well, that salvation is found in Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ alone. Salvation can allow a man, help a man uh, to know there is a creator, there is an architect, there is a designer behind it all, and he sits upon the throne of eternity. Romans 1.20 says, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Go just a few pages to your right to Psalm number 8. 
I love this psalm. As a matter of fact, this psalm overwhelms my heart. Uh, makes me want to worship every time I read through Psalm number 8. Our friend from Mount Saluda, North Carolina, wrote a song out of Psalm 8. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Look at Psalm number 8. Creation. Uh, it's what I'm trying to say. Nature. God has revealed himself. You can look about you in your own life. doesn't matter if you have a Ph.D. Um, times three. Or if you were raised on a dairy farm like Harry was. I, uh, what did he finish? The eighth grade or the seventh grade? Eighth grade? Finished the eighth grade? And I remember uh, not long after I became his pastor and, and baptized him, I remember he was deer hunting and had climbed with his old man's stand down in the government woods in Lafette County. He was talking about how the rain had, uh, how God had so orchestrated the lay of the land that whenever there's flash flooding, the water eventually is removed. He was talking about the hand of God and hollers and hills and high places and low places in creation. The psalmist writes, uh, this is David, of course, in Psalm 8. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest steal the enemy and the avenger. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained. What is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visitest him. For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yea, and the beast of the field, the fowl of the air and the fish of the sea and whatsoever passeth. Through the pass of the sea, the seas, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. The psalmist would write in Psalm 19, verse 1, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 14, verse number 1, began that verse by saying, The fool, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. You can look up, you can look down, you can look everywhere about you. You can see the the handiwork of God. So God has revealed himself in nature. He's revealed himself in the scriptures. He's revealed himself, according to Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, through his darling son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's revealed himself in the gospel as he gave his son for our sins. Galatians 1, verses 15 and 16 has this to say, But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me that... I might preach him among the heathen. Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. Uh, salvation itself is a revelation, right? Now, we don't expect any more revelation as far as anybody recording scripture. But salvation itself is a revelation. It's amazing to me that a man or a woman can go to church, sit on the pew all their life, and all of a sudden they show up one Sunday and the Holy Spirit shows Christ under that uh, individual, that unbeliever, uh, to the point where they can be saved in that very service, sitting under the gospel. And we're grateful for that, very grateful for that. So in Job 38 and following, God's going to speak to Job. God reveals himself to Job. He unveils himself. He unveils his might and his majesty, his lordship, his rulership. That's not a word. My spell checker tried to get me, overrode him today. He shows his control, his oversight uh, in creation. 
The Bible says in Job 38, verse 1, Then the Lord answered Job. It's the longest speech God gives in all of Scripture when he speaks to Job. So it has to have great significance. I personally find great comfort and encouragement and hope. I find a logical foundation for my faith in these chapters. The fact that he oversees it all, it blesses me. Let me just remind you, because we won't say this anymore, but before we read what God had to say, let me tell you what he, let me just remind you what he doesn't say to Job. Never one time does he offer to Job an explanation um, as to what has happened in his life. Not one time. He doesn't even offer uh, to Job sympathy. He's in grievous trials, plural. He doesn't apologize to Job. He doesn't tell Job of the two heavenly meetings that have taken place in his presence between he and Satan. He doesn't try to explain why there is suffering in this world. He doesn't talk to Job about Satan's accusations against him, nor of his attacks upon his life. Um, He doesn't explain why bad things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people. That's the way we like to frame it, right? God never takes time to deal with that. Not one time. But at the same time, the fact that he is willing to speak to his servant, Job, he called him that twice, chapter 1 and chapter number 2. He said that about very few people in all the word of God. But he said, this is my servant as a proud father speaking of his son, knowing he would fail him and wouldn't get everything right. God does not turn his back on Job. He speaks to Job. He'll question Job. And he'll help Job come to rest in the great care of God over his life. No matter what we face, the conversation since driving in last Wednesday night, visiting with Miss Pat Brindle over this last week now, I've tried to just remind her of what the Word of God has to say. Um, The Word of God offers comfort to the believer, right? It seems the conversation is brought to a place of peace. When Scripture is quoted, we just spend a few minutes resting in what the Bible has to say to God's people. And so, now, don't mistake what I'm saying. God doesn't, uh, he doesn't turn his back on Job. Uh, but uh, these chapters and what God does have to say is a rebuke. But it's also a challenge. It's a challenge for Job. And Job's going to get it. Now, Uh, Notice, if you will, the rebuke and the challenge, verses 1 and 2. Actually, verse 2 is the rebuke. Look at verse number 2. God, as he begins speaking, verse number 1, we mentioned that just a moment ago. Verse number 2, notice the rebuke. Uh, God says to Job, ask Job, who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? He's asking Job, Job, who do you think you are? Uh, That you, you would want an audience with me, you would want an audience with me. Job, who do you think you are to question me? To question my justice? To question my righteousness? To question my judgment upon your life? Job, I could have prevented every bit of it, but who are you still and yet to question me? Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Job, you're obscuring. You don't have all the data. You don't have all the information. Job didn't know about the conversations in heaven about his own life and the, uh, what was going to come his way. He didn't have all the information. We rarely do when we pass judgment in this life. 
We rarely have all the information. We rarely have all the information on both sides or if there be three parties. As a matter of fact, we pass judgment. We do so in a biased way. We all do it. That's the fallacy of of having a, a fallen mind in nature. And so what Job knew was limited. And right on the front end, he said, Job, uh, you wanted the audience with me. Come on over here. We're going to talk a little while. Verse number three, you'll see his challenge. He tells him, he says, gird up now thy loins uh, like a man. And he said, Job, don't cower now. This is what you wanted. Don't, you gird up your loins like a man. You remember we've talked about this. When a man would go to work, when he would run a race, when he would fight in battle, uh, he, he would take his garment, he would pull it up in his sash or in his belt, tuck it in uh, so, that, uh, so that that would not get tangled up and would not impede his progress. And so he says to Job, he says, he says, Job, gird up now thy loins like a man, for I would demand of thee and answer thou me. He's telling Job, get ready, be ready. And uh, here we go, Job. And then uh, God begins speaking to Job. Here in chapter uh, number 38, verse number 1 through chapter 40 and verse number 2. And uh, even, as a matter of fact, on over to the end of chapter number 41. And Job's going to respond. He'll pause and respond. Now, this doesn't sound like he did back in chapter 11 and 13 and other places, does it? Go over to chapter number 40. Look at verses 1 and 2. After God has spoken now for a period of time... Chapter 40, verses 1 and 2, the Bible says, Moreover, the Lord answered Job and said, Shall he that contendeth with the Almighty instruct him? He that reproveth God, let him answer it. He said, Job, I've asked you a multitude of questions. Listen to Job. He's not self-righteous anymore. He's in the presence of God. God has spoken to him. Verses 3, 4, and 5, Then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am vile, What shall I answer thee? I will lay mine hand upon my mouth. Once have I spoken, but I will not answer. Yea, twice, but I will proceed no further. No further. Then in chapter number 42, he's going to answer the Lord again after he speaks for a period of time. In verses 1 through 6. In the first section of of God's speech to Job, God's going to call Job's attention to his creation. To what he has created. Then he's going to call his attention to the fact that he sustains his creation. He sustains his creation. Um, and, and Job, uh, Job uh, um, has to just remain silent. It's amazing, isn't it? Uh, there's his questions regarding the created earth. He's going to have questions then in this first section of, of, um, of the creatures that he's created how he feeds them and how he cares for them. Then in the second section, uh, it's going to focus around two of his created beings, and Job can not answer any of it. And uh, neither could you nor me. I love what Warren Wearsby, I quote him from time to time, and uh, he had a, an excellent mind. When he was in college, I read his biography many years ago. When he was in college at four in the morning, uh, he was roommates with a, with a fellow believer and his roommate would rise at 4 a.m. and would read his Bible and then would write. And that's where Warren Wearsby got in the habit of writing out of Scripture. No telling the multitudes of books and materials he has left behind. And, uh, but he summarized God's entire, dre- entire address to Job under three questions. 
He said in chapter 38, verses 1 through 38, he said, he said, God says to Job, Job, can you explain to me my creation? And it is his creation. It is his. The Bible says in Psalm 24, verse number 1, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Then in the second section, Wearsby said this, chapter 38, verse 39, through chapter number 40, verse number 1, he asked a second question, really. Job, can you oversee my creation and can you sustain it? And he magnifies his own providential care over his creatures. Then the last question in section, Wearsby put it under this heading, chapter 40, verse 6, through chapter 41, Job, can you subdue my creation? And again, there'll be those two created beings. Job, can you saddle them up? Can you tame them? Can you ride them? Can you work them? You can't harness their power. You can't understand them. But I understand them, Job. So the questioning begins. Look at chapter number 38. Look here at verses 4 through 7. God questions Job about the creation of the earth. Verses 4 through 7. Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. Who hath laid the, the measures? Who hath laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest? Who hath stretched the line upon it? The plumb line, the measuring line, the yardstick, the rule. Who did that, Job? Were you around when I when all of that took place? Verse number six. Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Isn't that amazing? Have you ever thought about that? Here God is asking Job, where are the foundations? What are the foundations of the earth fastened to? Not fastened to anything. And who laid the cornerstone thereof when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy at creation of the earth? He said, where were you at when the angels of God shouted over my handiwork as I created? So he questions Job about the creation of the earth. And obviously, of course, Job wasn't around when God created the earth. He knows nothing about how God created the earth. Uh, men don't know a whole lot about it now. John Wesley, the old Methodist, said God created everything that he created in, in uh, creation week, and he didn't even try. He just spoke it into existence. There was no formula. There was no going by the building supply. There were no contractors. There were no scientists that were contracted. God spoke, and it was. We often speak of, and the constellations are mentioned in our text, and we often speak of God flinging the stars into space, but he didn't even do that. He just said, let be, and there was. He said, Job, by the way, where were you at? You want an audience with me? Are you qualified to have an audience with me? Where were you at when I did that? When I created, and as Wesley said, didn't even try, put forth no effort at all. Sometimes we hear, uh, folks say, uh, when they testify, well, if God could save me, he could save anybody. Who are you? You are no match for God's grace. I am no match for God's grace. I had a conversation, a recent conversation with someone who wanted to speak as though the devil is going to beat the Lord in some cases. I said, no, wait a minute. It passed by me about a third time. I said, wait just a minute now. Jesus has never lost. This individual said, well, what I was talking about is sometimes Satan wins and the Lord basically has a setback. I said, hang on a minute. Jesus never loses. Now, you may lose and I may lose, 
But Satan has never conquered the Lord and he never will conquer the Lord. We even think about the Lord coming back for his people. And we use that phrase over there. I've heard it preached on countless times over the years. Uh, When he returns, what shall he find? Will there be faith on the earth? Well, sure, there's going to be faith on the earth. A lot of times that message is used to shame God's people at the coming in of the bride. You'll never convince me that, look, when we see the lover of our souls for the first time, we're going to fall and worship him, and we'll be received by him. All God's people ought to say amen right there. That's what makes some folk shout and makes some folk cry and makes some folk uh, fall on their face and worship. The fact that he loves his youngins. Hallelujah for that. If Job could, could explain creation, then let him step forth and counsel God. But you know when God asked these questions for Job regarding creation, verses 4 through 7 of Job 38, Job is silent. What's he going to say? You ever heard anybody say, well, when I see the Lord, I'm going to ask or I'm going to say, I don't think you're going to say Jack, friend. I don't think you're going to say anything. If you say anything, you may say hallelujah. My soul, glory to God. You ain't going to ask him anything. What you going to ask him? He said, Job, you want to ask me something? Let me ask you something. <laughs> God questions Job about the creation of the earth. The business of creation, God knows it in every minute detail. He knows all about creation. But Job couldn't answer him. Then look with me at verses 8 through 11. God questions Job about the oceans and the seas. Verses 8 through 11. Or who shut up the sea with doors when it break forth, as if it had issued out of the womb? When I made the cloud, the garment thereof, and Thick darkness, a swaddling band for it. And I break up for it my decreed place and set bars and doors and said, he said to the oceans, he said to the seas and said, hitherto shalt thou come, but no further. Here shall thy proud waves be stayed. How about that? Verses 8 through 11. Who did all this, Job? Tell me if you know. Why are things the way they are, Job, with the oceans and the seas? Tell me about it, Job. Speak to me about that. You want an audience with me? Speak to me about that. Who established the coastlines? Who established the beach line? Who marked off the boundaries of the Indian Ocean and the Atlantic Sea? Who did that? Who did that, Job? Talk to me about that. And so Job, again, Job is silent. Matter of fact, when he talks to him about the sea, he may get a little seasick here. God, the business of the oceans and the seas. God knows everything about the oceans and the seas. Job, you want to talk to me about how I've worked in your life or you think I haven't worked in a way that I should? Talk to me a little bit about the oceans and the seas and you can have an audience with me. In, in verses 12 to 15, God questions Job about the sun, that great ball of fire that we see every day. Verses 12 to 15, hast thou commanded the morning since thy days and caused the day spring to know his place? Did you 
In any of the days of your existence, Job, did you tell the sun to rise? Did you put it in its place? Verse number 13, that it might take hold of the ends of the earth, that the wicked might be shaken out of it. It is turned as clay to the seal, and they stand as a garment. And from the wicked, their light is withholding, and the high arms shall be broken. So here he talks to him. He questions him about the sun. God is pictured here as the high sheriff. He says, Job, I tell the sun to rise every morning. Where are you at? Job, I have some fixed laws. And the sun minds me. I am the sheriff. I'm, I, am the, I am the potentate. I'm boss here, Job, not you. That does me good to know that he takes care. He takes care of us. He knows all about us. Job, have you ever told the sun to rise? Have you ever told it, fixed it in the sky one time? As the sun rises, its light reveals in verse number 13. We won't take time to read these verses. But as the sun begins to rise in the morning, it reveals the landscape of the land. Verse 13, latter part of verse number 13, it also reveals evil deeds. You know why, why men go to honky-tonks and such and it's dimly lit it, uh, lit, lighted? What am I, I, well, I supposed to say, Donald? You're the scholar here. <laughs> dimly lit. It's because men like to hide in their darkness. Men like to cover up their sin. That's why a man commits murder. He's being interrogated by a detective. He'll lie. He'll lie until his dying day about what he has or has not done, right? He wants to cover it up. He wants to hide it. But he says when the sun comes up, a man's deeds, when it's brought into the light, they can be revealed. Verse number 14, the impression of a seal upon clay, you know, the signet ring upon clay. You can see the details of it, the minute workings and markings of it. Verse number 14, the garment, as you take it out of the closet or out of the place of storage to wear it for the day, when you bring it out into the light, you can see what it is. Very clearly, verse number 14, the end of it, Job's silent regarding the sun, says not a word. God knows all about the sun. God questions Job, verses 16 to 24. We'll do this in a hurry, but God questions Job concerning various um, elements and, and areas of creation. Verses 16 and 17, he questions Job again about the sea. Verses 16 and 17, hast thou entered into the springs of the sea or hast thou walked in the search of the, of the depth? Have the gates of death been opened unto thee? Or hast thou seen the doors of the shadow of death? Job, you want to speak with me? You want an audience with me? Job, you, you want to counsel me? Have you ever been to the bottom of the sea? Have you been to the ocean floor? Job, I've been there. Job, did you know there are springs that feed the ocean? We've all been interested in the men and the lady that's on the little capsule that went down to see the Titanic, the sunken Titanic. And they tell us that it's dark there, that you can't see anything. But God saw and God knew. But he asked Job, Job, have you ever seen anything like this? Have you been to the bottom of the sea? And then in verse number 17, when he talks about the shadow of death, he's talking about the fact that no mortal can survive. The sea bottom, the sea floor. Job's silent. Once again, he asks this question. Verse number 18. In verse number 18, he asks, Hast thou perceived the breadth of the earth? Declare if thou knowest it all. 
In other words, do you know the measurements, the circumference? Do you know the measurements of planet Earth, Job? He still is silent. Verses 19 and 20, God questions Job about light and about darkness. The two verses, where is the way where light dwelleth? And as for darkness, where is the place thereof? That thou shouldest take it to the bound thereof, and that thou shouldest know the paths to the house thereof. He's asking, do you know, Job, where I store light? Do you know where I store darkness? Do you know that? Do you know how far east and do you know how far west? Or right the opposite direction, that how far light reaches. Do you know about that, Job? What about darkness? Do you know when darkness comes where the end of that darkness lies? Talk to me about light, Job. Talk to me about darkness and maybe we can sit down and you can counsel me. Job, in verse number 21, God asked Job uh, if he was around when, when, when he created everything. Verse number 21, he asked, knowest thou it because thou wast born? Were you there, Job? We believe Job to be between 50 and 60 years of age when these trials come to him. He said, Job, you're not old enough, son. Uh, I, I'm thinking about right now, I was preaching in a camp meeting north of Coleman, Alabama. It's been probably... Oh, my goodness, it's been probably, uh, that's been every bit of 22, 23 years. And Morgan went with me. And, and uh, the pastor, while he was introducing me, I stand over here. We said, Morgan, I said, on this side, and we stand over here, and he asked me a question. I said, I don't know. I said, ask her. She seems to know everything. And everybody got a big laugh out of it. But he said, Job, were you there? Tell me what you know, Job. You seem to know, have the know, the knowledge to speak to me, or because the number of thy days is great. In verse number 22 and 23, God asked Job about the snow and the hail. Hast thou entered into the treasures of the snow, or hast thou seen the treasures of the hail, which I have reserved against the time of trouble, against the day of battle and war? There are some practical applications that can come from that, right? You look about us here in rural Mississippi, northeast Mississippi, when snow falls, it shuts everything down, doesn't it? Shuts everything down. And in order to find the treasures of the snow, um, you've got to look beside the snow. You usually appreciate those times where life is slowed for us. You'll have to go below the snow, and you'll have to look beyond it. In verse number 24, God asked Job about the atmosphere. Verse number 24, by what way is the light parted, which scattereth the east wind upon the earth? Job is still silent. He's had all these questions asked him by God. Look at verses 25 to 28. God questions Job concerning the rain. 25 to 28. Who hath divided a water course for the overflowing of the waters or a way for the lightning of thunder? Uh, to cause it to rain on the earth where no man is, uh, on the wilderness wherein there is no man, to satisfy the desolate and waste ground and to cause the bud of the tender herb to spring forth. Hath the rain a father? Or, hath, uh, or who hath begotten the drops of the dew? Of course, Job knows where all that's come from. It's come from the hand of God. Job is silent. All this is God's business. Verse 29 and 30, God questions Job Concerning the ice and the frost, 29 and 30. Out of whose womb came the ice and the hoary frost of heaven? Who hath gendered it? The waters are hid as with a stone and the face of the deep is frozen. 
Job, until you understand the principles of ice and frost, we can't have the conversation that you want to have. Verse number 31, excuse me, through 33, God questions Job about the heavens and their constellations. Verse number 31 through 33, canst thou bind the sweet influences of Pleiades or loose the bands of Orion? Canst thou bring forth Maseroth in his season? Or canst thou guide Arcturus with his sons? Knowest, knowest thou the ordinance of the heaven, ordinances of heaven? Canst thou set the dominion thereof in the earth, the heavens and their constellations? Job, can you order this to be? He's saying, in essence, Job, you can study the heavens. You can observe the heavens. You can appreciate the heavens. But you can't order the heavens. You can't control them. That's my business. And you can't even tell me my business. And then lastly, uh, here in verse number 34 through 38, God questions Job about the clouds, the lightning, and the parched ground. 34 through 38. And with this, we're done. Canst thou lift up thy voice to the clouds that abundance of waters may cover thee? Canst thou send lightnings that they may go and say unto thee, Here we are. Uh, Who hath put wisdom in the inward parts? Or who hath given understanding to the heart? Who can number the clouds in wisdom? Or who can stay the bottles of heaven? Who can turn over the clouds? Who can turn the water bottle over, the rain bucket over, Job? Who can do that? Verse 38, when the dust groweth into hardness and the clods cleave fast together. Job, can you command the clouds to give rain? Verse 34. Verse 35, Job, does the lightning report to you for duty? It reports to me for duty. Verse number 37, Job. You know that man's, the hairs of man's head is numbered. They're all numbered. Did you know the clouds are numbered? Tell me what the number of the clouds that hover above the earth. Tell me the number. Tell me, Job, if you know these things. And through it all, Job remains silent. You remember when you were a child and, and you got caught with your hand in the cookie jar, so to speak? You remember that? Uh, you knew when you were caught, there was no need in making excuse. You're caught with your hand in the cookie jar. Job just thought he wanted a meeting with God. What these, uh, these questions, um, again, what they make me do is rest in the God of heaven. If he can take care of creation, if he can take care of the rain, the sunshine, if he can take care of the clouds and the seas, and if he's got springs in the bottom of the ocean supplying water on a constant basis and knows how to make all that work, if he can take care of all that, he can sure take care of me and my little problems. Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him. He shall bring it to pass. We rest our faith in the God of the Bible. Would you stand with us, please? We'll dismiss in prayer. Thank you for being here.